the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Well, this morning, if you have your Bible with you, and you should, I want to invite your attention to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. We'll begin our reading at verse 9. The Word of the Lord reads as follows. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. They went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe. And later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of hearts, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned would you pray with me for a moment father in heaven we honor you this day we bless you and we thank you for your word we thank you for this preaching privilege this time that we have to stand on holy ground and declare your word before your very face Father, we need you and your power even now that you might manifest yourself through the preaching of this gospel, that the word might come alive in the hearts of those that are hearing. Father, preach in this place in such a way that if there's any that are listening, any who hear the word of God, who don't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, God, save them by your amazing grace. Spirit of the Lord, if there's any that have drifted in fellowship, they've walked away, they've become complacent in their walk with you. God, I pray that the preaching of the gospel would stir a new fire of hope in them. God, that they might return the fellowship with other believers and with you. Father, preach a word so that we'll know we have heard from heaven and that we've been in your presence. Glorify yourself in the midst of this preaching hour. I need you, God, that you might use my body as an instrument to accomplish your will do what you desire in this place and we'll give your name all the honor and all the glory and all the praise for you lord all by yourself are worthy of it all have thine own way now god in the name of jesus who is the christ i pray with thanksgiving and expectation amen 
and amen. It is amazing to me, Katerin, that on a day that churches will be packed across the country and across the world, with many that will come in celebration of the risen Lord and Savior, that of the many that will gather together, many don't even believe in the resurrection of Christ at all. And that's kind of amazing to me that so many would come together on this day of celebration of his resurrection, but yet they don't even believe he was resurrected. In fact, as we examine the multitude of narratives in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we'll see that even in the midst of the narratives that are depicting of his resurrection, that many of those who were very closest to him didn't believe it either. And so I guess for those who don't believe, you've got good company. This resurrection that we are referring to is the resurrection of Christ himself. And in order to believe in his resurrection from the dead, what it means is that you believe that, first of all, he had no sin when he died. Because the wages of sin is death, and if he had sin, he would have remained dead. To believe that he is resurrected from the dead means that you believe that he took all of your sin to the grave with him. Because it was our sin that he died for, not his own. To believe he's resurrected from the dead is to believe that he is who he said he was. That is, that he is the very Son of God, the very essence of God in fleshly form. He is the promised Messiah who came to take away the sins of the world. If you are to believe the resurrection, you are to believe that Jesus Christ has a right to rule and he earned it through his death, burial, and resurrection. If he alone has the right to rule and he is the promised Messiah, then therefore we ought to be subject to him and him alone in every aspect of our lives and to live surrendered lives to him. That's if you believe the resurrection. I want to talk from the subject matter, what will it take for you to believe? Now, as we look in this text, there are a preponderance of lack of belief in the text over and over and over and over again. And as I said, as we read Matthew's version, Mark, Luke, John, all of them, as they heard about the resurrection of Christ, they didn't believe. As we live in this life, we live in this world, we have Resurrection Sunday every, every year. We gather together with family members and friends, and far too many don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why I want to know, what what is it going to take for us to believe? Maybe the proofs of the resurrection will help us to believe in the resurrection. If you read the first eight verses of chapter 16, there's this empty tomb proof. They get up early in the morning and they got spices and the women rush to the tomb to go prepare the body because 
the Sabbath came on too quickly after the crucifixion. They didn't have a time to adequately prepare his body when he was crucified. And so because of Jewish culture and custom, they wanted to make sure. And because he was an honorable man and because he was the promised Messiah, because he was their master and teacher, they wanted to make sure they took care of his body well. And they got up early in the morning with a 100 pounds or more of spices. They went to the tomb so they can prepare his body and dress his body properly. But on the way there, the women thought about the thing and they said, when we get there, now we got all these spices and we, we've all gathered together. We've got everything we need to get his body right, but who's going to roll away the stone? And when they got there, the Bible says that the stone was already rolled away. And they went in to the tomb and he wasn't there. Proof that he had been resurrected. Well, Pastor, maybe that's not true, not proof. Well, when they went in, there were angels in the tomb and the angels said, I know who you're looking for. You're seeking Jesus. He's not here. He is risen. And they've got the proof looking at the tomb, looking at the place where they laid him down. And matter of fact, even when they went back and they said somebody stole the body, Peter and John got up, took off on a sprint to the tomb, and they raced each other to the tomb, got to the tomb. And when John stopped at the door, Peter went on in and looked around, saw the grave clothes where he was and the grave clothes they had put him in on Friday. And yet when he looked around and he did not see Jesus in the tomb, he still didn't believe. Matter of fact, when Mary had come back and told them that he wasn't in the tomb, she didn't accept the proof as proof of resurrection. She came up with the conclusion somebody stole his body. I wonder if you were able to go in the, look in the tomb. Would that be proof enough to help you believe that he is risen from the grave? I assure you that he's not in the tomb. But would you, having that Opportunity to examine this empty tomb, would that be helpful for you? I'm curious, what's it going to take for you to believe in the resurrection? What about if he appeared to you? Because if you look at the text, in verse 9, he appeared to Mary. In verse 12, he appeared to the two other disciples. In verse 14, he appeared to the 11. Matter of fact, if Luke says he came eight days later and appeared to Thomas, what if he appeared to you? Would that be sufficient for you? Because as I was walking through this text, when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, she didn't believe. He appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden, and you know who Mary thought he was? The gardener. She did not believe that he had been resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says he appeared to the two who were walking on the country road, and he showed up and he began talking to them. And they didn't believe it was the Christ. They thought he was a stranger who didn't know anything about what had been happening. They asked him, who are you and where have you been? Don't you know what has happened? Don't you know they crucified Christ? And they're talking to Christ. And they don't know who he is. He appeared then to the eleven showed up in the room where they were. Mary had come back and told them that Christ has been raised from the dead. At verse 12, they didn't believe her. Then when the two came back and told them, he appeared in, the, in another form, the two, as they walked and they went to the country and they went back and they told it to those who were left in the upper room, but they didn't believe them either. And then verse 14, later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and guess what? And they didn't believe. He's standing right there in the midst of them. There are 11 of them who have been with him for three years and he shows up right in the middle of them and they do not believe. You know who they thought he was? They thought he was a ghost. 
They were afraid. He says, I'm not a spirit. Come here, touch me, feel me, handle me. Matter of fact, do y'all have any food? He says, feed me, give me. And they gave him some fish and honeycomb. And he said, it is I, because spirits don't eat fish. Spirits don't have flesh. So he's letting them know that not only am I resurrected, but I'm resurrected in bodily form. A form that can eat and consume food. And they didn't even believe. And so he rebukes their unbelief. But what if the Lord appeared to you? What if you're in the the bedroom one Sunday morning getting ready to turn on your computer because you ain't going to church that day. You're going to live stream. And the internet connection goes down. and you trying to get it back up. And you look up and Jesus is standing in your bedroom. Will you believe then? If you're riding down a beltway at 100 miles, I mean 55 miles an hour, and you know you always talk about Jesus take the wheel, and he appears to you and he does. Will you believe then that he's been resurrected? What is it going to take for you to believe? Will it be the examining of the empty tomb? Will it be the appearing of him to you? Or perhaps maybe hearing the testimonies of others who witnessed his resurrection. For in the text, in verse 10, it says, after he appeared to Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, she went, verse 10, and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. She went and took her testimony to them. And even after she took her testimony to them, I have seen him. He is alive. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, look at the text, they did not believe. They didn't believe Mary. Well, maybe because she has seven demons cast out of her. Maybe one of them demons didn't come back. But then there were two other disciples who were also witnesses. If you look at verse 13, verse 13 says, And after those two other, he had appeared to those other two disciples in another form as they went in the countryside. And they went and told it to the rest what had happened and that they had seen Jesus and he is alive. The testimonies that they had witnessed him, they had seen him, eyewitness testimony But they did not believe them either. They didn't believe that he was raised from the dead. They didn't believe that he had been resurrected. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that there were over 500 other witnesses who saw him resurrected. And they saw him ascend into glory. Maybe if I could bring 500 other witnesses here and give testimony to you that we saw him resurrected. Would you believe them? Would you really believe that he's been resurrected if you heard the witness or testimonies of 500 other eyewitnesses? Well, what about the testimony of Jesus Christ himself? Because when Mary's brother died, Lazarus died, he told her, your brother going to rise again. I know he'll rise in the resurrection. And no, Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection. He that believes in me will never die. And those who have died and believed in me shall live. I am the resurrection. I am life. Do you believe his testimony? Jesus Christ himself, will you believe if you heard the testimony of Jesus himself? Will you believe the testimonies of the saints of old? Because the saints of old knew that he had been raised from the dead. They knew. They would say things like, I know he lives because he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Maybe we'll believe that testimony. Or maybe some of the other testimonies where they say, I can feel him in my hands. I know he lives, but I can feel him in my feet. And I don't know how y'all are, but the old saints say, I can feel him all over me. Maybe you can believe those testimonies. Maybe you can believe the testimony that I know he lives because he lives within my heart. 
You believe the testimony of your pastor. I know he lives because he lives with me. I'm not the same because he lives. My question is, what is it going to take for you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? If you can't believe in the proofs, maybe you can believe in his promises. Because he made great promises to all of his disciples. He told them what was going to happen. He promised them it was going to happen. And the question is, will you believe in his promises? In John chapter 2, he says, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'm going to raise it up again. He told his disciples that. And guess what? When it happened, they didn't even believe it. He told them in John chapter 10, he says, I'm going to lay down my life. Nobody can take my life. I'm going to lay it down, but I also have power to raise it up again. This is the promises of God. In Matthew chapter 16, he lets us know that he began to tell his disciples all the things that must happen to him. He let them know that he was going to suffer, he was going to be killed, and that he would be raised on the third day. This is not just one text. This is not just one occasion. Over and over again, he kept telling them and promising them, I'm going to be raised on the third day. Matthew chapter 17, after his transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John saw him transfigured on the mountain, and he was there talking with Moses and the elders of old, he told them, he says, see that you tell no one what you saw until after I'm resurrected from the dead. He let them know. He promised them, I'm going to be raised from the dead. But they didn't believe him. Mark chapter 10, verse 32 to 34, he says, look, they were on their road to, to Jerusalem. He says, these are all the things that are going to happen. He says, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be condemned to death. I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles. They're going to mock me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. All these promises, are the promises enough for you? Jesus promised over and over and over again in the scripture, I'm going to rise again. He doesn't just say I'm going to rise again someday. He says on the third day after my death, I'm going to rise again. Is that enough for you to believe? Is that sufficient enough for you? The proofs, the promises of Jesus? Well, maybe the proofs and the promises aren't sufficient for you. I noticed something as I was examining these, this text. In every case, when they did not believe in his resurrection, he did the exact same thing. He took them back to the scripture. He began to open up the scripture. He began at Moses and all the prophets, and he expounded to them all the scripture concerning himself. And when he opened up the scripture, he expounded upon the scriptures. He detailed every scripture, and he talked about himself all the way from Moses all the way up until that point. And then he began to open up the scripture to them and open up their understanding. And by the time they got it, he was gone. The scripture opened up their understanding. And then when they finally realized that was Jesus, one of the disciples said to the others, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened up the scripture to us? He got to their heart. He got to their heart through the scripture. And they, the blinders came off and they saw that it was him. Verse 13, when they went and they told it to the rest, the rest didn't believe. And in Luke's version, he says that Jesus showed up there in the middle of the room with them. they all afraid. They're all thinking he's a ghost. He tells them, touch me, handle me, feel me, give me something to eat. I'll prove to you that I am he. I am the resurrected one. I am alive. Nobody stole my body. I haven't just disappeared off the scene. No, I'm here before you. And then finally he told them, this is what was spoken by the prophets. He takes them right to the scripture. 
And he opened up their understanding, exposing the scripture to them so that they could comprehend the scriptures. And when they began to comprehend the scripture, they realized it was him. Then they believed. In verse 14, after rebuking their unbelief, he tells them, in verse 15, if anybody else in essence is going to believe, you got to go do this. Immediately after that, he says, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. As a result of what you've just come to understand, you just came into the reality of understanding I truly am risen. You have finally believed. He doesn't say, put it in the Washington Post. He doesn't say, put a post up on Twitter. And don't get me wrong, we can use all these vehicles to spread the gospel. But he says to them, you go into all the world and preach the gospel, the euangelion, the good news. The good news is, watch this, we love the fact that he died. <laughs> Lord, help me here. We love the fact that he was crucified. Friday, Good Friday was a good Friday, but it's only good because of Sunday. Lord, have mercy. And so he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell them the good news that Jesus Christ once was dead, but on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. He lives. Go tell the world he lives. Go preach the gospel to the world. Let them know that he lives. I, I look at that and I think, wow, now that they believe, he tells them to go make other believers. Go help others to believe based on what you now have believed. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Preach the gospel. Lay it out before them. Tell them the truth. Tell them what I've done. Tell them that I live and tell them that they too can live forever. My question still looms, what is it going to take for you to believe he is risen? Because believing that he is risen is not just a cognitive head knowledge type of thing. Because if I really believe that he is risen, my life ought to be different. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If I really believe that he is risen, there are some things I will not do. If I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and got up on the third day and he's alive, I understand that he is watching everything I do. Y'all still here? If I believe he's risen, then my, my language ought to change. My tongue ought not form certain words that I used to form. My feet ought not go to some places that I used to go. My eyes ought not look on certain things that I used to look on. I ought to have changed if he is alive. If he's dead, I cannot go back to my same old ways. But if he's alive, I should be changed. If you're not living your life like he's risen, you don't believe he's risen. I mean, you can say, yeah, I believe he's risen. But if you, you, you can't just have part of the puzzle. You've got to have the whole part. You've got to have a whole of it. I've got to believe he's risen, and so therefore my life is different. Therefore I live differently because he's alive. Because I realize I'm subject to a risen Lord and Savior. And you want to call him Lord? Either he's Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. 
Now, you can be religious all you want. Coming to church is just religious. But I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. Relationship only comes if I call on the name of the Lord in faith, believing that he is and that he has been raised from the dead. I have got to believe in resurrection. Without resurrection, our preaching is in vain, our worship is in vain, our singing is in vain, our gathering is in vain, our churches are in vain, our parking lot is in vain, our, our tithe and all, all that's in vain. If Christ did not rise from the dead, we are miserable people. What is it going to take for you to really believe? In the resurrection. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.